If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Robin Myers, senior minister in one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Best of luck. (laughs) Here ends the reading of words inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. I want to begin this morning by speaking on behalf of my granddaughters, the amazing Iris, who is seven, the enigmatic Hazel, who is three, and now just weeks from arriving, because our daughter Chelsea is great with child, the mystery that will be Eleonora. These girls are precious to me beyond my ability to express it. My love for them exceeds the limits of language uh, to describe, which means they're so beautiful that even a professor of rhetoric is rendered speechless. (laughs) But, but this morning, I am grieving for them and for their future. Like all children, they have no way of understanding what really happened early yesterday morning in the Senate chambers of our failing democracy. They cannot be expected to grasp the real implications of the worst 
piece of legislation ever to come out of that sausage factory. And that's saying something. They are innocent, we are not. By the time Iris heads off to high school, the temporary and minuscule tax cuts for the middle class will expire just seven years from now. And those with the least will again be asked to pay the most. The much higher cuts for millionaires and billionaires will not go away so that those who need them least will have them permanently. And these girls are so smart that they will surely raise their hands in class one day and say, why did you do this? Why did you lie to us? Why did you say again and again that this supply-side miracle you always use to justify enriching yourselves and your friends would finally work when it has never worked? If I am still alive, there curmudgeonly grandfather will say, so we could tax graduate students and student loans and university endowments and further shackle with debt those who pursue higher education. So we could lure back the money that corporations have hidden in the Bahamas only to have it end up in the pockets of shareholders. So we can make sure that the wealthy have health care and the poor have the emergency room. So medical deductions are no longer available, so we can drill in the Arctic wildlife refuge, so charities can receive less because fewer people will itemize, so that your grandfather's electric car will no longer get a tax credit at a time of catastrophic global climate change. So that churches, and you all know about this, so that churches can endorse candidates from the pulpit without losing their tax-exempt status. This is going to turn out badly. Now that I'm on a roll, the girls may start to roll their eyes. <laughs> but you have to hear your grandfather out. Most of all, girls, so that the debt that all politicians say they hate will grow by at least another trillion dollars. And then those tax and spend Democrats will again be left to pick up the pieces on the morning after the party, and then excoriated for raising taxes, lest every bridge you girls drive over might collapse. And then, I know what would happen next, the girls would look at each other and say, Rapa? That's what they call me, Rapa. Were, were you like around in the age of Trump? <laughs> yes, I'm afraid I was. It wasn't that long ago. And, and is it true, Rapa, that he was elected with overwhelming support by Christian evangelicals and that he defeated with fewer actual votes what would have been the first female president in U.S. history with help from the Russians? We've been studying about it in school. Were you on Facebook, Rapa? We've been reading about Facebook. I guess, like, you could just put anything on there and people would believe it. So as I imagine this future conversation between the girls and the old guy, Iris has been doing most of the talking because she is the extrovert, the spokeswoman, the stage manager, the social butterfly. But Hazel, Hazel is the contemplative one. And sometimes she won't speak for a long time. But when she does, it's well thought out. And that's when Hazel says, Rapa, you were a minister before you retired, right? Yes. So 
when all these bad things were happening, what did you do about it? This morning is the first Sunday of Advent, which as Lori correctly pointed out last Sunday is really New Year's Day in the church. The early Jesus people turned the world upside down. And one of the things they did was make up their own seasons of the spirit. Like everything else they did to mark themselves off as anti-imperial, they celebrated Advent as a time when normal time, that is linear time, is suspended and past and present are jumbled. So for example, during Advent, we're asked to wait for and anticipate something that's already happened so that it might happen again as if for the first time. Go figure that out. In preparation for this sermon, I turned to the Old Testament passage for Advent 1, Isaiah 64, and I read these familiar words, and I don't like this text at all. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. And then that's when I knew. That's when I knew exactly how I would answer my granddaughters someday. I would tell them that, among other things, Rapa does not believe in that God. The one that, you know, lives in the clouds and tears the heavens open and comes down shaking the mountains and playing favorites and sticking it to the enemies of his chosen people. Nope. Rapa does not believe in that God and never did. Blake called him Nobo Daddy. Michelangelo painted him as an old white man with a long white beard reclining on his heavenly throne surrounded by angels, reaching down to try to make contact with a fairly reluctant reclining Adam, their fingers not quite touching. This is the most iconic image of God in the Western world, and although many people might say they don't really believe God's an old man in the sky, at least intellectually, the fact is that existentially speaking, images remain in the brain long after we have reasoned our way to other ideas. To make this real, I might say this to my granddaughters. Girls, consider one of the most universal symbols in the world, the red cursive script on a white background that says Coca-Cola. It'll still be here in 2025 or the golden arches of McDonald's, the most ubiquitous of all symbols. Upon seeing either one, people who like Coke and who are thirsty, or who like McDonald's and are hungry, actually have a visceral response to the symbols. It causes chemical changes in their bodies. I would tell my granddaughters that back in the day, Coke was once referred to as the real thing, which is odd, given that it's an artificially colored, artificially flavored, artificially carbonated, non-nutritional beverage partaking of absolutely nothing real. Which, of course, does not matter. The symbol has the power to become the thing it symbolizes, and logic neither creates the effect nor negates it. Then, to remind the girls that I was once a professor, after all, and I know how to talk like one, I would say this. Iris, Hazel, Nora, did you know that research has shown that archetypal images, like that one by Michelangelo, especially if they're powerful, informative ones, are never fully removed as default settings in the brain until they're replaced by a different image? 
So to use the civil rights movement as an example, way back in the 1960s, it was only when we saw new images on television that we were shocked into a new awareness of the power of racism. It was those grainy black and white images of southern police officers turning the fire hoses on young protesters and then sending in the dogs to terrify them. That's when we finally displaced other images that we'd had of African Americans as something other than the object of humiliation and violence. And we said, this cannot stand. In my imaginary conversation, Iris is now a freshman in high school. It's 2025, and the tax cuts for all but the wealthy have expired, and so the country faces massive budget deficits, and so Congress has been called into a special session to find, quote, recurring revenue streams without any gross production taxes on the rich. Iris just happens to be studying Renaissance art, so I ask her to hand me the book she's carrying, and I turn to the image of Michelangelo's God on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. What do you see here, I ask, and the girls all lean in. It's a painting of God, Iris says, as if trying just to give the right answer. Where is he, I asked. Ah, looks like he's up there somewhere, says Hazel, and then she stops. Although up is a strange concept, isn't it, when you consider we live on a round planet? Up for me is down for someone on the other side of the world. These girls are smart. <laughs> and where are you in this image? and they get quiet. And why is God white? And who is he reaching down to touch? And that's when Iris says, another dude, <laughs> with just the right high school inflection. Where's everyone else, I continue. Hazel says, you mean like women and people of color? Yes. And that's when Nora finally chimes in, little Nora, who hasn't said a word yet. And what about the animals? What about the pets? Where are the dogs? I thought all dogs went to heaven. When we look at what's happening to us today, I would argue that we're experiencing in Trump's rise to power a psychosexual backlash to the default setting of the white cosmic hierarchy that is epitomized by Michelangelo's iconic image of God. Think about it. A year ago, we held an election after eight years of a black man in the White House. And we faced the prospect of eight more years of a woman who wore pants, no less, becoming the default leader of the American family. Now, as we witness the rise of Christian nationalism all around us, we know it's attributable to many factors, but none the least of which is a kind of panic by struggling white males who perceive the need for some kind of emergency reset of the pecking order of reality itself. A restoration of the maleness of God, the whiteness of God, the straightness of God, and the in-charge resoluteness of God. Because to be made in the image of God means to look like me. Strange, I guess, when you consider that Michelangelo was gay, but, but that's another sermon. It just has to make us feel less afraid. And, and 
Because when we're afraid of anything, of ISIS, North Korea, getting sick and not being able to pay our medical bills, when the world seems to be crawling with enemies that media opportunists will name and then teach us to hate, that's when we go for a strong man in heaven and on earth. We will restore Nobo Daddy to the throne of heaven and then put his incarnation, son of Nobo Daddy, in the White House. If he does reach out to us from wherever he lives on a cloud with angels, it might just be to give some nasty woman the back of his hand. Because nobody seems to know his or her place these days, they say, much less stay in it. Everybody could use a good whooping to sum up a real message from those terrified little boys who marched into Charlottesville. That's what they were really saying. Jews will not displace us replace us, blacks will not replace us, women will not replace us, gays will not replace us. Guess what? We're feeling replaced. As you know, I'm working on a book about God and new ways to conceive of God and to seek the presence of God and give the world some new images of God. But really, I'm doing this by asking people not to even conceive of God as a thing that exists at all out there somewhere, but as a spirit that stitches the whole universe together in a luminous web of consequentiality. That's not the vision of God we get from Isaiah 64, tearing open the heavens and coming down. This is the vision of God that Jesus of Nazareth gave us instead, who looked down and looked around to find God, noticing things as if for the first time that everyone else had missed, including people who had become invisible. It was a world in which you discovered God not by worshiping God, what a strange idea, but by entering into her spirit, a spirit that animates everything, which also animates you and me and every single other. This is the God that the poet Mary Oliver says, you only find by doing the most important thing a human being can do, pay attention. She said, just pay attention. Because of the revolution through which we're passing about sexual harassment and assault, I've been thinking a lot lately about a very strange passage from Genesis 6, 1 to 4. It's really in your Bible. It reads, quote, When people began to multiply on the face of the ground and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that they were fair, and they took wives for themselves of all that they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for their flesh, their days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When, listen, the sons of God went into the daughters of humans who bore children to them. These were the heroes that were of old, warriors of renown. Hmm. That strange passage, which occurs just before God gives up on the human race and decides to destroy it with a flood, it's rooted in the widespread belief in antiquity that gods frequently cohabitated with mortal women to produce a superhuman species. 
which were called here the Nephilim. And while scholars argue over exactly what this means, what gets lost in the discussion is the unchallenged idea that gods could take what they wanted when it came to the daughters of the earth. The more powerful the God-man, the more he could take what he wanted. Think of this as the Harvey Weinstein of heaven. When right-wing nationalists were marching in Poland a few weeks ago, they kept chanting, give us God, give us God. Trump used the same line and was met with thunderous applause. When the president retweeted those fake anti-Muslim hate videos last week in what may be a low point for the American presidency, it was former KKK leader David Duke who, who said, thank God for Trump. Can we survive this image of God? I think not. As we move into the season of Advent, I implore the leaders of the church everywhere to reconsider their image of God. Even as we will begin to read the poetry of the miraculous impregnation of a teenage girl named Mary by the Holy Spirit. Really? How long have men taken what they wanted and then made excuses, even cosmic ones? The answer is as long as they thought they could get away with it. And luckily, less and less can they all get away with it. And I don't want my daughter and granddaughters to live in such a world. And I don't want my sons, and if in the future I have any grandsons, to think that boys will be boys is somewhere in the Bible. Just for the record, I don't believe in that God, the God that came down at Christmas to assume human form. I believe that something much more miraculous happened, namely that a human being named Jesus rose up to show us what was divine about a human being who is fully alive. God did not become like a human. A human became God-like. And the scary thing is, so can all of us. We don't need the heavens torn open for this. We just need to open our hearts. Someday, I hope that Iris, Hazel, and Nora will be able to say with one voice, the dude is dead, long live the God who is not a dude. Or since the Big Lebowski is Iris's dad's favorite movie, she could say, the dude abides, but not in heaven. Amen. And if one of them asked me again, so Rapa, did you ever say that when you were preaching? I can say, yes, I did, yes, I did. And if they continue, was anyone listening? I'll try to answer them honestly. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers, Senior Minister of Mayflower Congregation on UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. 
and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.